What is a patient-centered medical home, and how do specialists help primary care family medicine physicians manage their patients? The answers to these two questions and others on today's episode of Essential Partners. Welcome. I'm Dr. Tom Whalen, Chief Medical Officer at Lehigh Valley Health Network, and I'm delighted to have as today's guest our first essential partner, Dr. Deb Bren, who is Vice Chair of the Department of Family Medicine and also serves the important role of President-Elect of the Combined Lehigh Valley Health Network Medical Staff. We will, in these podcasts, seek physicians who are leaders and excellent clinicians like Dr. Bren and bring them to you as your partner who work together with your other partners at Lehigh Valley Health Network. Welcome, Dr. Bren. Thanks, Tom. I'm honored to be your first guest. So my first question, what was it that made you go into medicine? I decided to go into medicine a very long time ago, actually around age six, when my parents took me to the other physician in the small town where I grew up, Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, because our physician was on vacation. It was a very different experience and not as good as my regular family physician. So I noted way back then that there were opportunities, who knew, for improvement in primary care. And then I cemented that commitment through school and in 10th grade uh, biology class and knew from then on that this was my passion. Not everyone listening necessarily knows what family medicine physicians do. What's the scope of practice that you're involved in? So basically, we partner with a patient to manage health and focus on prevention and support if the patient has a chronic disease or illness with a wide array of physicians and specialists. Our relationship with that patient lasts a lifetime, so it basically endures a lot of trust and confidence. We take care of well visits, sick visits, physical exams for school, for work. We do health maintenance to help avoid disease, prevent disease, vaccinations, education, promotion of health, palliative care in hospice when it's time, and of course, all along the way, mental and behavioral health concerns. We take care of men, women, children, and seniors. What, for our audience's sake, from your perspective in family medicine, is collaborative, team-based care? It's a group of healthcare professionals from many fields uh, who work together to care for people with multiple chronic diseases, help manage their mm-hmm. conditions, connect them to resources, and support any needs that they may have, social needs. We can help prevent unnecessary hospital stays and assist with some of the social barriers that impact them attaining care, like transportation and prescription costs. And then we collaborate with all the specialties to help manage those patients through that health, disease, chronic illness. You may have often heard the the saying, if you can remember the 60s, you weren't really there. But I was really there. And I understand it was way back in the 1960s that originally the American Academy of Pediatrics coined the phrase patient-centered medical home. So could you help us understand what a PCMH is? It is that collaborative care with a number of professional colleagues, and it keeps the patient at the center of everything that we do. So we navigate the course of their care through their illness and perhaps their whole life if they are staying with the same office in in PCP. So the dietician may talk to the patient that we're treating for diabetes to help manage their nutritional aspects and get their hemoglobin A1Cs lower. The PharmD may help sort out which of the medicines are affordable for that patient and, and can even change the medications based on their collaborative agreements. Then when need comes, we would consult a specialist uh, like an endocrinologist or whoever we need to help manage that patient care. 
So I'm going to interject my first James Lipton question from the Actors Studio. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think I would have been a teacher. I think teaching would have been my next choice. I would have coached sports. I had the opportunity in college to play sports because Title IX had just happened and had a lot of fun doing that. Help us understand how family medicine is incorporating population management into what you do. We're looking to have our clinicians work up to the level of licensing with their teams. And so we try to standardize some of the processes and workflows to facilitate those needs. So for instance, for health maintenance, if you're a female, we don't need you to be in the office to order your mammogram or follow up with that. So when we talk about population health, we use informatics and the computer science to basically queue up for us the lists of patients that have a need in their health maintenance to meet. Something that's going to obviously be evidence-based and attribute to the quality of your life going forward or disease prevention. So we use those collaborative care teams, community care teams, in our teams at the clinics to actually go through those lists and asynchronously, meaning the patient's not in the office, reach out to that patient, either through the portal or any method of communication that they had told us would be appropriate for them to try and and get that work done. In the future of family medicine, what role will informatics play? Informatics, very exciting. Basically, the intersection of information science, computer science, some predictive analytics, and healthcare. And it'll optimize the acquisition, the storage, and how we can retrieve that information to use it to deliver quality-based healthcare. We now talk a lot about panels of patients, and such panels can have asynchronous care. Can you help us understand what that is? Sure. In terms of managing the panel, each clinician anticipates that they're going to see younger patients more frequently because there's vaccinations and needs at at so many months until they're two to five years of age. And then between five years of age and 40, if they're healthy, we know that there's not many opportunities that we really need to tap in. They'll come to us for their ill visits and their questions and their driver's exams and their college exams. But then after age 40, there's a conglomerate of chronic diseases that usually befall patients. And the asynchronous management of that is using that information that we can glean from EPIC, our electronic health record, and our teams in terms of getting the care that the patient needs, whether that's diagnostics, something for their health maintenance like a mammogram, or bringing them into the office on a regular schedule, like every six-month kind of visit, to get their care and their disease management at the quality piece that we're, where we want it. Let's shift a little bit and talk about how we compensate physicians. Traditionally, of course, we've been paid in healthcare overall by the volume of services that we deliver. We've heard for many years about how that is going to shift to value-based compensation, and we see a little bit of that now. So is family medicine looking forward to that shift, or are there some reservations or trepidations about it? We're chomping at the bit. We can't wait. We have Valley and the resources and the teams that support us. We are well poised to deliver on value and get compensated for it. We truly believe that that's going to be the way primary care will be more fairly compensated across the nation. And it will drive appropriate care as opposed to this feed-in-the-door value physician-centric. So we'll be able to support and have resources to do that asynchronous care of the panel and keep everybody healthy as opposed to just the patient or the family member that's in front of us. 
at Lehigh Valley Health Network, we've been on a journey now that I think is approaching 10 years to be a leaner organization. And so a big part of becoming a lean organization involves standard work. And one way to accomplish more standardized work are pathways. How do you think this will impact, first and foremost, our patients, but also, nearly equally importantly, our clinical and clerical teams? Another great question and, and a really important one is we are starting to roll out these pathways in the ambulatory medicine. So we have a diabetic pathway, chronic kidney disease pathway, depression pathway coming out, and behind that, heart failure. And basically, a pathway is a standardized map that is algorithmic, and it's a process that reduces the variability and improves outcomes. It will help us in many ways. So when I go in to see a diabetic patient, I anticipate that that standard work is done for me. And what that means is I don't have to search through your chart to find your most recent hemoglobin A1C. If it wasn't done through a pre-visit planning work, it's done as a point-of-care testing at the time of your visit so that by the time I walk into the room, I have the result and all the information I need to have an interaction with you about your health as it is today or last week when you had your blood work done. And it facilitates great work with our teams. They love working up to level license in their skill sets. They love being able to do clinical work as opposed to, you know, just the administrative clicking that they often are stuck doing as we are in the electronic health record. What it means to me is that I have a trusted team of colleagues that, based on evidence, they built this pathway for us so that we aren't missing any beats for that patient. We didn't drop something because we were distracted and interrupted. It's all right there. So I open up a smart set, and all my choices are right there, and I can just click on the ones that are appropriate for that particular patient, and I don't have to search for this order or that order because it's all built in right there. You and I, as leaders in this health network, are deeply concerned about burnout in our physician workforce and our entire clinician workforce. How do you see these things we've been talking about impacting physician wellness? Wellness is key. And I think everybody went into this with a passion for medicine. And that resilience is sometimes lost along the way. And it means different things to different people. When we talk about it in the office setting, I think what it means is I don't want to be distracted by the workload of an electronic health record. I want to be able to have the interaction and the interface with the patient to discern what their problem is today, figure out the differential diagnosis, and then what the plan will be going forward without a whole lot of distraction in that computer record. And so, for instance, Pathways will facilitate that. Standard work with our teams when they're doing the pre-visit planning, when they're triaging, when they're interfacing with patients while I'm in the exam room, while they're doing the panel management, all of that allows me to do the work that I was trained to do as opposed to not working up to my license. And I think in the office setting, that will be huge. So things that you know we can do to help facilitate that here at Lehigh Valley, scribes, virtual scribes, optimizing our EPIC record, uh, recognizing what the EPIC record is. It's a behemoth, right? It is what it is. Uh, but we have Thrive classes. We have elbow-to-elbow support. I think a lot of our clinicians don't realize there are some efficiencies there that they're not aware of or cognizant of so that they aren't taking advantage of those. And then getting them home at a decent hour to enjoy their families and their hobbies and all the other things that make them whole. My last question is also with attribution to James Lipton. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Heaven does exist. I'll say that. There's a disclaimer right there. Heaven does exist. I hope I hear the words welcome. Maybe he'll say we need family physicians up here too. That's a great response. I'm hoping at the least he says the devil doesn't know I'm dead yet. 
So I'd like to thank you profoundly for being our first guest on Essential Partners. And in closing, I'd like to say that I looked at our LVHN.org website, which has you and all of our phenomenal physicians on it, and see that you have an aggregate rating as of 11 a.m. this morning of 4.97, which I'm sure is that one or two people were like the pediatrician when my first baby was delivered. He said his APGAR was 9 when it was clearly 10, and I asked him why. He said, I don't give anybody 10s. I'll close with a comment directly taken from one of your patients that is on the website. Thank you for being you, Dr. Brent. 